Hey guys, this is Din. And this is Rish. And welcome to Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Welcome back, you guys. Uh, we haven't seen you in a little while, but we have lots of good things for you guys to listen to today, so we hope you enjoy it. We're going to start off today with a segment from Cinnamon, and she has something to tell us about the Year of the Rabbit. Hi, everyone. I'm Cinnamon. That's pronounced Cinnamon, not Zinnamon. I'm always having to point that out to people. Anyways, to the point. As many of you may or may not know, February 3rd, 2011 marks the beginning of the Year of the Rabbit in the lunar calendar cycle. Previous rabbit years include 1999 and 1987. I'll spare you the details on the exact New Year dates as those frustratingly change every single year. But anyways, if any of you out there were born rabbits, congrats! Anyways, why am I rambling on about rabbits, you ask? Well, that's simple. See, the Legend of Zelda series seems to have a thing for rabbits. They are everywhere. Ever notice? No? Well, let me show you. We all know that The Legend of Zelda has a lot of animals running around its various fields and towns and whatnot, but rabbits seem to pop up quite often if you know where to look, and I'm not talking about the actual animal itself, at least not yet. I'm sure all of you out there are familiar with the bunny hood, that wonderful quote-unquote mask that made travel so much faster than Majora's Mask and saved us all so much time running around trying to outrun that moon, plus making Link look oh so cute in the process. Seriously. That bunny hood is not just functional, it's adorable to boot. Of course, the bunny hood made its first appearance not in Majora's Mask, but in Ocarina of Time, as the fourth mask that the Happy Mask salesman had Link sell. If you recall, Link sold it to the Running Man, who filled up Link's entire wallet in exchange. Yeah, it's that valuable. That bunny hood granted super speed too, but only to the Running Man, not to Link, and I have no clue how that works out. But when Link has it, stall children stay away from him. Yay! I guess they're scared of rabbits or something. Hmm. Speaking of the running man, ever notice that little symbol on his shirt? Never bothers to look? Well, guess what? It's a rabbit! Don't believe me? Go look. It's the same symbol that you'll find on the shirt and hat of a bunch of Legend of Zelda postmen, too. Seems the rabbit is a symbol of the Hyrule Postal Service or something. Just look at the postman in Majora's Mask, Oracle of Ages, Minish Cap, Twilight Princess, who also has the rabbit on his flag for easier viewing pleasure. Rain, snow, sleet, or hail, trust the rabbit to deliver your mail. Inanimate rabbits aside, what about the actual animal itself? Well, first before that, just on a side note, rabbits appear as enemies too. Don't believe me? Well, let me tell you. Remember the rabbit's fangs that you find in A Link to the Past? Or those big-eared pole voices that you find in multiple games? Yeah, they're all mutated rabbits. It's kind of creepy. But anyways, onto the cute rabbits, which you'll find in Link's Awakening's Animal Village and in the Oracle of Ages' Forest of Time. But those aren't the rabbits I want to focus on. Instead, I want you to think all the way back to... Spirit Tracks. Remember those rabbits? I bet you do. All 50 of those hyperactive, slippery little furballs. If you remember those rabbits, you must also remember the rabbit man in his rabbit costume with his rabbit net that you got at the rabbit land rescue. What a good Samaritan that man is wanting to provide a home to all 50 of new Hyrule's homeless little bunnies. Bring all 50 back to him and you get the sword beam, one of Link's oldest and most iconic attacks. Yeah, rabbits are that valuable. 
And who can't help but love those cute little critters? Rabbit Man couldn't. And when you bring his angry wife to see his hard work, she becomes a rabbit lover too. Because we all love rabbits, right? Of course, a discussion about rabbits in The Legend of Zelda would not be complete without a mention of probably the most famous instance of rabbits in The Legend of Zelda series. That's right, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Bunny Link! Apparently, Nintendo loves rabbits so much that they decided to make Link's first real transformation into a cute little pink bunny to reflect on how Link has the timid compassion and kindness of a rabbit. Even our favorite green-clad hero can't escape the charm of rabbits. I mean, how can he when he is one? Well, you're probably tired of hearing me ramble on about long-eared rodents, but did you ever notice just how often rabbits are found in The Legend of Zelda? Or maybe you noticed something that I didn't. If you did, I'd love to hear about it. In case you haven't noticed, I really like rabbits. Anyways, have a happy rabbit year! Well, I guess you learn something new every day. I didn't know Sin liked rabbits that much. I didn't know she liked rabbits either. And you know what? I honestly didn't know it was the year of the rabbit. I didn't. And you know what? I've never noticed the rabbit icons everywhere throughout the Zelda game. So thank you very much, Sin, for bringing it all to our attention. It definitely points out the reason why there's been so many rabbits around lately, though. <laughs> Alright, Din. Well, you know what? I feel like we should uh, delve into our mailbag again. We haven't done that in a little while. That's true. What do we got? You know what? I've got a uh, message here from Colonel Majora777. Oh, hello again, Colonel Majora. You remember him? I well, do. He's got a question that asks, Do we think that it would have been a good idea if Nintendo had put the double claw shots, or rather double hook shots, in the older Zelda games, like OOT or Majora's Mask, right. or even in some of the 2D games. That's an interesting thought. Um, as you know, <laughs> I love the double claw shot. It was my favorite item from Twilight Princess for sure. Yes, it was. Um, I think it might have been interesting in uh, Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time with the 3D graphics. Um, I don't know about the 2D games, though. It might not have had quite as um, quite as much of an impact on gameplay as it did in the, the 3D games. No, I don't think so either. The closest it would have been, honestly, would have been something like Phantom Hourglass yeah. or... Um, what's the Spirit other tracks. one? Spirit Tracks, thank you, with the whip, <laughs> right? Because yeah. then you're pulling yourself across. But... In a 2D plane, I don't there's think no have, up and down. There wouldn't be quite as much of a uh, an impact in terms of, well, um, use or the coolness factor, as I like to call it. Um, but at the same time, I think that it really brought something new to the floor for Twilight Princess. It was one of the many updates to items. I mean, the boomerang got an update, and um, I think that if it had been introduced earlier in the series, it wouldn't have been as, as cool. As cool. <laughs> the coolness factor would have gone down. 
Well, that's the thing, and you can't have everything in the very beginning. That's true. You need to give it some time to evolve and grow, just like anything else. We might see it in the new Skyward Sword, too. We'll see. Well, you know what, Din? Let's uh, take a step back here. I'm going to ask you a question that's maybe a little different. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay? That scares me. Okay. I've got a uh, message here from a person named Sacred Beast. And they ask, if each Legend of Zelda set in the same world, with the exception of the split timelines from Orcarina of Time, could it be an allegory for Buddhism? Ooh, now there's an interesting question. Now, Buddhism's all about reincarnation, right? Well, I'll be totally honest with you, I am not up on Buddhism. I'm <laughs> That's something I know very little about. This is interesting, though, because um, there was an article very recently posted on the Zelda Dungeon main page about religions within The Legend of Zelda. With um, the cross on the shields. And the trinity in, um, of the Triforce uh, as a relation to Christianity. But Buddhism, that's... I guess, I guess the real question is, is Link reincarnated over and over and over again? Going um, for perfection. Right. For nirvana. Um, I guess my opinion would be no. I don't believe they are the same link. I think that, uh, that it's, it's a different link every time. Um, even if he's the legendary hero passed down. But it's, I wouldn't say it's the same incarnation. What about you? You know what? I think it could be the same incarnation, and that's what drives him to continually do these things. Yeah, that's true. Because half the time, there's no real reason. It just begins. That's true. That's true. So that's definitely a tough question, and we're going to have to come back to that one of these days, maybe after a bit more research. I guess to truly answer the question, is it an allegory for Buddhism? Possibly. Do I think it was intended by Nintendo? Probably not. But it's definitely an interesting uh, or, uh, good thing that you noticed. It's definitely something that, uh, you know what, I wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't pointed it out. Okay. So thank you very much for that question. Uh, we're going to move on to Danish. And Danish has actually a couple questions for us. The first one is... Uh, what is the release date for Skyward Sword? Oh, we don't know. No. Well, we kind of, no, we don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I was in Future Shop no less than a week ago, and I saw a sign that said Spring 2011. But now I know that's not true, and my heart is broke. The internet told us March 27th, which has been confirmed for um, Ocarina of Time 3DS, I think, I'm pretty sure. Um, but... Skyward Sword has been postponed to November 2nd. Now, whether or not we will see that or not is kind of up in the air. Yes, postponing it. It could be November 2nd. It could be December 2nd. You know what? Maybe they'll hold off until the Christmas season well, to get in on that big game sell time, right? I would like to point out that we were told early 2011. I don't think November qualifies as early, but, you know... No, no, <laughs> and and it keeps changing. Well, so. Nintendo's done that to us how many times in the past? Twilight Princess was postponed 
more than a handful of times. But you know what? They do good work, just like Blizzard. That's true. Blizzard Entertainment does good work too like that. Mm -hmm. So they're very similar companies in that respect. We'll put it off a bit longer to make a better game. I hopefully they will. So hopefully so. Um, he also asks, uh, will Epona or Princess Zelda appear in the game? You know what? I That's an interesting question, too. Um, I think we'll probably see... Hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess I would speculate that we'll see Zelda, seeing as how one of the only games, or the only one off the top of my head I can think of that we didn't see Zelda in was Majora's Mask. I have but, to disagree with you there, though. I don't think why? Zelda's going to be in it. Why? Because it's set so much earlier. Yeah, but we're, we're going to leave Skyloft to go to the land below, which is Hyrule, we have been told that. And Hyrule's in utter chaos. Well, that's usually what happens at the beginning of every Zelda game. Zelda gets in trouble, her kingdom gets overtaken by evil, and Link has to go save her. Are you considering the possibility of someone that is Zelda that's not Zelda, a la Tetra? Uh, maybe, possibly. Um, she might be revealed as Zelda later. Um, but I think even if it isn't Zelda, Link is going to be helping out a royal lady named, Always. probably named Zelda. Oh, well... <laughs> This Le is my Link's, point. Link needs to save the royal ladies. It's just kind of his job. It's, it's his job. It's what he does. How about Epona, though? I don't think it'll be Epona, per se. We might but have I a think horse. there may be a horse. I think um, uh, Nintendo stays true that Zelda's a medieval time scale, um, and a horse is the main mode of travel, though, well, we might not see her. We might have um, warping factors. Or some type of flight mechanic, which there has been speculation on. There has so been. potentially, um, I would like Epona to be because I love Maybe her. Maybe a winged Epona, Pegasus that, that, style. That's pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could try. It's mm. better than a jetpack. <laughs> I guess that's true. Do we have any? Is that? Uh, we've got one more actually. Okay. Uh, he also asks. In uh, Skyward Sword, do you think there's going to be any characters from Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, or Wind Waker? That's quite a few characters. Simply put, no. I don't. Well, but you said there's going to be okay. Zelda. Is Link going to be in the game? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're all just, right. You're just being hard on me now. No. I am. I, I don't think... I think... Um, this person who sent us this question is referring to, um, like in um, Majora's Mask and Twilight, er, and uh, Ocarina of Time, where we saw similar sprites or similar characters. The happy mask salesman right, was in both. Skull Kid. Um, True. And Twilight Princess had, we didn't see any um, direct characters, but we saw some, um, uh, shall I call it, mementos. Of, of characters in terms of the, the Zoras with uh, the Queen and Ruto. That's true. And But I think, as you said, Rish, I think that it's going to be set so far in the past from these other games that have been mentioned that I don't. I think the only character that we can possibly see would be Kepora Gebora, the owl ancient sage from 
um, Ocarina of Time, we might see his initial form rather the, than oh, the dear. reincarnation of the owl. Oh, the annoying owl that you always have to make sure which button you press because yeah. heaven forbid you have to listen to him again. Yeah, we might see him, but other than that, no, I don't think there'll be any characters. Um, I don't think any characters. Similar races, yes, characters, no. Yeah. So I think that's all we have for questions this time, Rish? That's all for this time, but the mailbag's always open, so keep sending those questions in. You guys remember the email, it's in the description below, but it's dinandrish at gmail.com. So send them in, and we will answer your questions on the next podcast. Alright, so next up on the list here, we have Axel with his Beastly Oddities segment. I think this is going to become a recurring segment. I think it will too. It seems that Axel's uh, pretty happy about doing this segment for us, along with his roundtables. Which are harder for him to do, but I'm sure hopefully we can have them once in a while. So, we'll pass it over to Axel. Go ahead, Axel. Well, hey there, guys. I'm Axel the Beast, and this is Beastly Oddities. I know it's not the round table. Uh, those are hard to do, and I probably won't be able to do them like every podcast or Z Talk, you know. But um, this is going to be a you know regular segment I'll do when I can't do a round table, probably. And uh, basically, what I'm going to be talking about is uh, odd or strange things that you may not have noticed in the Zelda series, or in some cases, perhaps odder ways of looking at things that you may not, or you know different perspectives that you may not have point noticed. Basically, the oddities of the Zelda series in general. Um, <clears throat> I know we just uh, finished, you know, we're just coming out of Majora's Mask month, but I still had, there was a couple things about the game I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, um, when people talk about the Fierce Deity Mask and Majora's Mask, you know, the, the relation between the two, people often, you know, call the Fierce Deity Mask evil because it's supposed to be these this thing that's connected to Majora, and it says that it has dark power, and that Link, you know, talks about it might be as bad as Majora. But, uh, one thing is, is that I always, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence for that, but there's one thing that people always say, or I hear people say often, that they say that Fierce Deity was called, the Fierce Deity Mask was called the Oni Mask in the Japanese version, and that Oni, uh, means demon. Technically, this is true, but it's a little out of context when you put it that way. Um, I guess this isn't exactly an oddity about Zelda, but it's an oddity that relates, so bear with me. Uh, basically, in uh, Japanese uh, mythology, the Oni is a kind of creature, and it's... Like a lot of Japanese creatures, there, there isn't exactly something that you could say is a demon in the sense that it's like this... Uh, like it is here in Western uh, culture, it basically, which would be this like ultimate evil being. Uh, in the term oni replies to a certain kind of creature, and the term can be roughly translated to a lot of different things involving demon, ogre, and basically that is what they are. They are ogres, and they're they're creatures that you know they they eat people usually in most versions and stuff. They also originally in one of the original versions of the oni it was a kind of spirit, not necessarily an actual like like a ogre monster. So the point is, is that while the only are, you know, like monsters that that kill people, it's not exactly uh, the same thing as a Western demon. So when you say, "Oh, the Oni mask means demon," it's a little out of context. Um, 
think about that what you will. I'm just pointing it out. Okay, uh, there's another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, two other things, actually. There are uh, two things I've noticed about um, Majora, when playing Majora's Mask that could relate to Ocarina of Time and potentially explain certain things about the game. Uh, one of which is the Song of Storms. Now, I actually made a thread on the ZeldaDungeon.net forums about this, and uh, admittedly, I've been bu too busy to actually go back to the thread, but I should probably reply to that, actually. Um, but basically, the... Um, the Song of Storms in Ocarina of Time is introduced as part of a, you know, infinite loop. It's a paradox. So basically it goes that, you know, Link learns the Song of Storms from Guru Guru, the guy in the windmill, in the future, who learned it because some kid... He, he, he's talking about Link, though, I think. Uh, this kid basically played the song and it ruined the windmill because, you know, it generated a storm and the windmill spun and spun and spun and went nuts. And, um... He's angry about it, and he plays it and teaches it to Link. Link then goes back into the past and plays the song for Guru Guru, thus ruining the windmill. Uh, this also lets him enter the bottom of the well because it drains the water in the well, and thus teaches Guru Guru the song, and is he is the kid he's talking about. So it's like, where did this song come from? It's introduced in this time loop, and, you know, yeah. Uh, most people don't have a lot of easy time dealing with these kind of like time travel theories and stuff. I actually have some experience with them, so basically my interpretation of the kind of time loop is with loops like this, when you have something that repeats infinitely and doesn't make sense, it's a paradox, usually how I, th I, I at least think is you'd create, it has to be created some way unless like some kind of act of God just decided to make it as it was. The way that the loop is created is by, um, something would happen on, uh, relating to time travel that would actually cause something, event, another, a different event to happen when the time line goes through. And then as it creates another thing that goes back in the time, and it, like, basically it creates a loop, but the loop changes each time until either one of, and until it refines and basically it's a loop that sustains itself and will never end which is what we see in Ocarina of Time now usually it would go through a couple I think it would go through a couple rounds like this before it reaches a sustainable loop so what I think happened is that the Song of Storms never appears anywhere else in Ocarina of Time yet it appears in Majora's Mask so what I think happened is that I think that Link, after he defeated Ganon and went back in time and went to Termina, he actually um, went and learned the Song of Storms in Termina, and after he was all done in Termina and he saved it, he went back to Hyrule, and either he just, by chance, taught it to someone who may have taught it to Guru Guru, or perhaps he taught it to Guru Guru directly, or... Um, or perhaps he knew that it would be needed as part of the timeline, and so he did it. He, he taught him that in the middle of the, the two points where Link uh, learned it before. So, and I don't know which it is. And you, this would rely on the idea that the timeline split wasn't supposed to exist originally, which he may or may not support. And also, one potential like damper in this idea is how did Link get to the bottom of the well and get the ones of truth? if he didn't have the Song of Storms the first time through. And I just think, you know, that doesn't necessarily disprove the general refinement of the time loop. Maybe he got through his adventure in a different way, and then he, you know, 
he got the uh, Song of Storms introduced in there and somehow, somehow and that changed how he got through his adventure or whatever. Or maybe it's just something like it's a video game, He just needed we just need an excuse to make him get an item or whatever. I don't know. It's uh, just an interesting way of looking at it and I'm throwing it out there. Um, another similar case is actually the Owl. He constantly, uh, his name is Kepora Gebora, or however you want to pronounce that, and he constantly appears in Ocarina of Time to give you advice. He tells Link all kinds of things, and he, he helps him throughout the game, and for some reason is very, you know, you know, drawn to Link, he just keeps popping up and helping Link. It's often said he's one of the most annoying characters in the game, but one thing I think is that, you know, there is nothing much known about his origins. It states, one of the Gossip Stones states that he is the reincarnation of an ancient sage. Now, some people connect this to Raru, the Sage of Light, who's not dead, so I don't see how he can be a reincarnation. So I don't really support this theory, but and it's an interesting way of looking at it, at least, and that's what this is all about. Um, but one thing I noticed is that he also appears in Majora's Mask, in which he appears once to teach you the Song of Soaring, and he appears a second time to basically help you get to the Lens of Truth. No, oh, what do you know? The Lens of Truth again. That's not weird. I'm kidding. That doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. Um, basically, um, what I'm thinking is, when he first appears, he's he's aware of the trouble in Termina. He, he's, he's got a, some kind of knowledge that the Termina is doomed, and he's, he's searching for the hero who can fix it. So... When he teaches you the Song of Soaring, he says something along the lines of, from the moment that Link plays the song for the first time, him and Link will become eternal friends, transcending time and place. Now that was an interesting line, and it seems random. I mean, who wants to be friends with the owl? But, um, I have a theory, actually, on that. I think that, perhaps, that is not like an alternate Terminian version of the owl that could be the same owl and that indeed is their friend he in Ocarina of Time when he meets Link he's helping him as part of this eternal friendship whether or not he knows it he might not that didn't say it, it will transcend time and place but to their knowledge they'll just be friends so perhaps that when he went and befriended the owl eternally in Ocarina in Majora's Mask that's why he was always around in uh, Ocarina of Time. It's an interesting way of looking at it, at least. I don't know if you have your own thoughts on it, but, yeah. I mean, you could say that, you know, like, how did he get to, you know, get to Hyrule, but, you know, it's pretty probable, although technically not 100% proven, I guess, that the uh, Skull Kid and the Happy Mask Salesman are also from Hyrule. It's the same ones you encountered in Hyrule, and there is some hints to this. So, I mean, if the Happy Mask Salesman, who admittedly might be a mysterious entity of some kind, or at least being, man, with some kind of odd origins, and the Skull Kid, who, well, might be a forest creature, is still sort of just a child, were able to transport between the dimensions, and so is Link, why not the reincarnation of an ancient sage? I mean, that, that, that makes complete sense to me. I actually came across this quote and came up with this idea while uh, doing some work related to Majora's Mask, and... I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Alright, well that's all I got for this time. Uh, I'll probably be around another edition of uh, Beastly Oddities to give you something else I've noticed, or give you another odd perspective. So uh, stay tuned, and I'll give it back to Din and Rish now. Thanks Axel for another great Beastly Oddities. Hey Rish, have you heard about the random drawing contest? 
The random drawing contest, what's that? Well, you know that guy, random person? You mean that random guy? Yeah, the random guy that sends us stuff for the podcast. Once in a while, yeah. Yeah, well, he's holding a drawing contest weekly on the forums. Okay. Um, so he's called it the random drawing contest because... So creative. <laughs> well, he's kind of random, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's basically, from what I can see, a weekly, um, contest where he posts a topic and a subtopic and people submit, uh, fan art on those topics and then... On the forums, everybody can vote for which one they like the best, and then um, a prize is awarded. And it's open to all forum members. And for the most part, what I've seen, it's been hand-drawn fan art. I think there's been a little bit of graphics work, but I'm not sure I'd have to recheck the rules on that one. Okay, um, what kind of prize are we looking at? Well, I've heard some speculation about different prizes. Um, something about being featured on one of Zelda Dungeon's pages or something like that. Okay, well, you know what? I think the best thing for people to do, if you have any questions about this, or you want Random Person to actually tell you what the prize is, is to contact Random Person through the forums. The best way to do that is to sign up for the forums, and, uh, I'm sure you can find them. Oh, I'm sure it won't be too hard. Random person tends to be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. He's kind of random like that. He is kind of random like that. Din, I've been thinking. Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? <laughs> what have you been thinking? Well, that wasn't very nice, but I've been thinking about what I like to watch on the internet sometimes. What do you like to watch on the internet sometimes? I like to watch uh, gameplay videos. And walkthrough videos? Gameplay videos, walkthrough videos, and... Let's play videos! Oh my! They're all great! Well, we do have a segment from The Green on all of these types of videos. That's fantastic! Maybe we should pass it over. Take yeah, it away! Definitely! Go, The Green! Hey there, Z-Talk listeners. This is The Green. I'm taking a break from scouring the interwebs for news, and I'm here to talk about Zelda video, especially walkthroughs and gameplay videos. There are three different kinds I want to get to during this discussion. And the first is speedruns, the second is let's plays, and the third is walkthroughs. Let's talk about that first variety I mentioned, speedruns. Speedruns can take on lots of different forms. Well, the, the first variety is tool-assisted speedruns. These are pretty intense. For instance, you can go onto YouTube and search for a TAS, tool-assisted speedrun, of Link's Awakening and find a computer playing the game and it will achieve a finished game in just over four minutes time. Now these speedruns and the people who do the speedruns have a lot of different terminologies. For instance, uh, the warp glitch in the uh, Link's Awakening video I mentioned uh, involves a the player changing screens and during that transition the start menu is brought up and closed again and I'm not sure exactly what controls happen, but you end up in a different area of the map and you transverse areas very quickly. You avoid obstacles that normally you would need the, say, uh, power bracelet for or uh, the rock's feather, neither of which the speedrun has. So that's pretty fascinating to me. Another popular term is the SS or super slide. 
That's a popular term for the Ocarina of Time glitch, where you can drop a bomb, and as you move away from it and use your shield, you can slide very long distances, very quickly. I know there are a lot of listeners who are very familiar with Ocarina of Time. If you watch the Ocarina of Time world record speed run, which takes only 1 hour and 16 minutes and some change, you will have your mind blown consistently. For instance, the rather famous Door of Time glitch, where you don't have to gather any of the three stones, uh, and you can get through the Door of Time to the Master Sword very quickly. Um, another very popular glitch that is available only on the GameCube version of Twilight Princess is the Master Sword glitch. That allows the player to get the Master Sword within 30 minutes of starting the game. It's rather fascinating if you ask me. Let's move on to the next uh, video style. And now we're going to talk about Let's Plays. Now these are by far the most popular videos. And I have a suspicion that it's due to the large amount of them that there are. And that they contain moderately entertaining things, i.e. people talking. Um, if you're familiar with a game, chances are you don't want to watch a silent walkthrough. So, that's how people such as Chugga Conroy and Nintendo Capri Sun become popular on YouTube and other video game websites. Now, the personality is one attraction to these, but another one is, is that they're so accessible and so easy to make. Now, we can all relate to sort of wanting to gain popularity on the internet. In fact, I'm committing some of that right now by making this podcast. But the sheer fact is that people love to play video games, and they love the video games that they're playing. And you can really tell with these Let's Players that they really enjoy the games, even though it seems like every other second they're cursing at the game or saying that they hate it. I'm going to tell you about some of my favorite Let's Players. Um, first up is Cheese4343. That's Cheese with a Z. He is a kid, and he has some videos when he was really young uh, playing Cybon action and those are comical because he sounds like an eight-year-old but I really enjoy his walkthroughs because he talks about the games he's very casual he doesn't put any pressure on himself to do a hundred percent run he's sort of off the off the map and not mainstream and that's cool because I like to be hipster and stuff another one I enjoy watching is Chugga Conroy he's got a great personality he's pretty humorous uh, and he uploads with pretty good consistency. He's got great quality. He does great guides. The formatting is always very good on his videos. Uh, and he's generally just entertaining to watch. And now, one of my favorites is a YouTuber by the name of C. Nanners. C. Nanners uh, works for Machinima and does some video stuff with them. But he also has a separate YouTube channel uh, when he does a lot of uh, gameplay footage that he just does sort of casual commentary over. Some of the things he talks about are the saying bros before hoes and how silly that is. How he wouldn't want some frat boy to be by his side when he's dying. Another topic he talked about was tattoos. Why he would want to get a tattoo now that he's older and how silly it is to go when you're younger that says I heart Lucy or whatever your tattoo's going to say. I think one of the reasons I like him is because he's sort of mature and I think he's a really good representative for the gaming industry. Now, I'd like to talk about my favorite form of Zelda videos, and that is walkthroughs. They can be quite boring, especially if there's no commentary, the quality isn't very good, and you've played the game before. But they have so much potential to be very, very good. Case in point is Zelda Dungeons video walkthroughs. They're amazing. For instance, Caleb's Twilight Princess walkthrough 
is one of the most enjoyed video game playthroughs I've ever seen. The great thing about it is, he lets us see the cutscenes, he is insightful, and he even can crack jokes about being a ninja. Sometimes he's being very serious and it's very excellent gameplay and very skilled gameplay on his part. And other times it's humorous because he gets his butt kicked for some reason or another. And all this time he's being very informative, the gameplay is nearly perfect, and he's being very thorough as any walkthrough should be. That's sort of on the epic end of the spectrum. On the sort of funny end of the, of the spectrum is Massey's most recent Wand of Gamelon walkthrough. That is hilarious. He makes lots of funny comments, yet he's very thorough and gets the player through the game 100%. Now that I've dropped a bunch of names and told you all the fancy terms, I want to leave you with this message. And it's that Zelda videos are for entertainment. There's no doubt that these video walkthroughs can certainly be used as a walkthrough, but to be searching through is very difficult. I know that Caleb goes through painstaking efforts to ensure that people can find boss battles and difficult puzzles in dungeons very easily, but I still find a text walkthrough to be easier. That means that these video walkthroughs are for fun. I think that it's important to remember that any recorded gameplay that we've seen on the internet is for fun, it's entertaining, people put work into it, but in the end it's for your enjoyment. So thank you for hearing me out and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you very much, The Green, and just so you guys all know, the links to the um, people that The Green mentioned are in the description below. So have a look at that, and uh, you can be up on your videos too. Alright, welcome everybody to the very first Keaton Quiz. So, we have two contestants this time. We have Cinnamon. Hi, Sin. Hi. And we have Bayside Rules. Hey, Bay. Hi. <laughs> All right, so this is how this is going to work. You will be asked a question from one of two categories, The Legend of Zelda or Zelda Dungeon. You must buzz in to answer the question. We will call whoever buzzed first to answer. You have 15 seconds to answer. If you hesitate too long or get the answer incorrect, you will hear this sound, and your opponent will get a chance to steal. If neither of you buzz in for 15 seconds, the question will be discarded. If you buzz in before the question has been read in its entirety, you will not be read the remainder of the question. In the event of a steal, the question will be reread. Correct answers will be indicated by this sound and you will be awarded a single point. The points will be tallied, and at the end of the game, a winner will be declared. For this quiz, there is 11 questions. The winner will move on to the next round of the Keaton quiz and will be challenged by a different opponent. We'd like you both now to indicate your um, buzz-in sounds. So, Sin, what are, what's your sound? All right, sounds good. And Bayside? All right, perfect. Okay, so we are ready to begin. Are you both ready? Yep. Yes. All right, question number one. Category, Zelda Dungeon. Axel the Beast hosts what show for Zelda Dungeon? Cinnamon. Curiosity Mailbag. That is correct. Question number two. Category, The Legend of Zelda. 
In Ocarina of Time, how many Ocarina songs are taught to Link? This seems like a hard one. Oh! There's Sin. Wait, is it 12? Yes, it is! <laughs> oh good, I counted correctly. That's correct! <laughs> okay, question number three. Category, The Legend of Zelda. Name an enemy that steals Link's items. You're thinking hard. Another hard one. Oh. oh. Cinnamon? That took me a while. Um, the like-like? There you go. Dope. <laughs> oh. Are you having bell issues? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. Question number four. Category. Zelda Dungeon. What are the usernames of our two administrators? Oh. I think I heard Cinnamon. I was gonna first say I'm gonna give one. that one to Sin. Massey's and Justin. That is also correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number five. Category: The Legend of Zelda. In Phantom Hourglass and The Wind Waker, what is Zelda's other name? Bayside. Is it Tetra? Yes, it is. And ba Bayside is now on the board. Yay! <laughs> okay, our current score is Bayside 1, Cinnamon 4. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Question number 6. Category, The Legend of Zelda. In Twilight Princess, how many ladies are smitten with Link upon completion of the star game in Hyrule Castle Market? Hard question. Not many people uh, pay attention to this. Usually they're like... Oh, oh, Cinnamon? I distinctly remember there were three girls that kept dropping hearts every single time you talked to them after that. It creeped me out so much. So three. You are correct, my dear. Those girls are so scary. <laughs> <laughs> they are, I agree. Fangirls unite, eh? Okay, question number seven. Category, Zelda Dungeon. What was random person's submission for the last edition of Z-Talk? I wonder if they listened to it. I wonder if they listened to Z-Talk as well. I know they, I know Bay does. Oh, only five seconds remaining. So we go take a stab at it. Oh, and we're out oh. of time. Oh. Question lost. All right, question number oh, eight. We failed him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor random person. He's gonna be so upset. I'm sorry. Question number eight. Zelda Dungeon. What is Zelda Dungeon's motto? Sin. Let us take you through the dungeons. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Is that Bayside crying in the background, it sounds like? Category, or, uh, question number nine. Category, The Legend of Zelda. Name the three goddesses of Hyrule. Bayside. Nairu, Feor, and Jin. There we go! Bayside's got two, Zin's at six. <laughs> oh, Bayside, what's going on? Category, Zelda Dungeon. What is Mr. Molesley's favorite Zelda game? 
This is a really hard question. This is a really hard question. I'll give you a hint. It's part of his signature. Two seconds remaining. Time's up. Question lost. All right. Last question. Category, Zelda Dungeon. Who is our one and only super moderator? Now, no cheating by going on the staff page or anything like that. <laughs> we got five seconds. Oh. Question lost. All right, well, I think, I think we can uh, definitely declare a winner. <laughs> and the winner for this round was... Miss Cinnamon! Yay! <laughs> oh. Alright, well, Cinnamon will move on to the next round and be challenged by a new opponent for the next edition of the Keaton Quiz. We'd like to thank both of our contestants from this time, Bayside Rules and Cinnamon. And if you think that your trivia is up to date enough to take on Cinnamon in the next round, Get in touch with Rish and I. Our email's in the description. You know it. Dinandrish at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today, you guys. I'm Rish. And I'm Din. And this was Z Talk. If you want to get involved with Z Talk, uh, email us at the address listed below. Or and or check out the uh, links in the description below. There's an invitation on our forums to let you know how you can get involved and submit your section to the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.